Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. Si, senor. You know what it is? It's a little something called a dimly lit room. Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And today on Thursday, Little Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The American economy. Jobless claims down more than 30% since late April. Below 400,000 for the first time since the pandemic. Perhaps you've heard of it. That's good to hear. Bad. Damn. It's an entormation party. Combination of entertainment and information. It's kind of like Benifer. Clever. More like ham and cheese to me. You get them both. So... The Wall Street Journal's big story today. The economic recovery is here. It's unlike anything you've seen. It goes through all the mosts, leasts, firsts, highests that are existing right now. And it's really quite extraordinary. We'll get into that later. But it is it is unlike anything we've seen before. And I, I, a lot of it, as they say, and I think would be obvious, the government meddled so much in all this and in, in many ways, you know, uh, had to. Um, to what extent, you know, will be debated forever. Sure. Um, the government had to, but, but because the government got their thumb on the scale in so many different ways, there's just all kinds of things that don't normally fit together. Like, you know, this many million job openings while you have this many million people out of work and, mm-hmm. and no, and people not applying and stuff like that. That's just, that's not ever happened before. Right. And of course, we can't leap over the obvious. The recovery has been unprecedented because the downturn was unprecedented too. A, a global pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen before. New businesses are popping up at the fastest pace ever. Ever. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting up a ransomware business, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you count those, but I know I saw yesterday, I think 116,000 restaurants closed permanently or something like that. Well, if, if, if you know, if 100,000 restaurants that were making a living feeding people existed before the pandemic, I got to believe the need still exists. Well, especially since if there's one thing Americans can do, it's overeat. So, if there's one sector that is going to bounce back, it's restaurants. A lot of the businesses that went out of business, if there was a need for them before, there's still a need. And somebody will open up and do the same thing. Sure, yeah, eventually. It's a shame that bad governance, paranoia, monomania by idiot governors, for instance, have crushed the businesses and the dreams and finances of so many families unnecessarily. Uh, and, and so I don't want to just say from those ashes will arise a new day without, you know, laying the responsibility where it, it ought to be. The rate at which workers quit their jobs, which is uh, a proxy for confidence in the labor market, you think that you can quit your job and get a better one, mm-hmm. uh, matches the highest it's ever been, the rate at workers quitting their jobs. American household debt service burdens as a share of after-tax income near the lowest levels since they've kept records. The debt burden. American household debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
is the lowest since they started keeping records. Huh. When did they start keeping records, I wonder? um, 1980. Okay. That's a long time ago. You have all the answers today. Well done. Um, uh, but as and I, I'll have more of these later. But as I said, there's all kinds of highs, lows, fastest, you know, just records of all kinds. As it says in the headline, it's an uncon- an economy unlike anything we've ever seen before. Some good, some bad. Uh, untangling this is going to be something to watch, though. Isn't that going to blow up all the economic models because there's so many um um. Uh, so many factors going into these things that just haven't existed before. Yes, you almost feel like you need to carve out this couple of years from the historical record. Right, you can't say, well, generally, when this happens, this happens. Yeah, well, generally, we don't spend $6 trillion pumped into the economy in one year. So, Right, much of it unnecessary. Uh, anyway, we'll have a lot more of that later and uh, and other stuff, too. You know, um, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. All champions know that. Hey, the Lakers, did they play last night or did they play tonight? Uh, they did not play last night. Okay. Yeah, so they're not eliminated they're... yet. Not hell, they, har- they hardly play the days they're playing. Hey, now. Boo! Boo! They're on the verge of elimination, the, the defending champs. Yeah. Yes, um, they played tonight. Okay. I might tune in to a little of that. Um, there's our technical director, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, very good. First of all, I want to thank my wife, who five minutes ago, or ten minutes ago, gave me my iPad, which I left on the dining room table. Oh, so, uh, that was very nice. That was nice. She drove down here and got yeah. it before the show, so it was that great. That was the very nice thing to do. And, uh, but the other thing I want to talk about is AMC stock is going up. Now, this was a stock I thought about investing in, and of course, now it's going through the roof. I had thought about investing in Bitcoin, and it went down. So I just, I'm hesitant <laughs> To invest in the stock market because every time there's a stock that I you know want to invest in, it either goes way up or way down, and I AM, have not had any luck at all. AMC, the movie company, yeah, indeed. What drew you to them, Michael? I saw people would return. You know, eventually, yeah. the, eventually sure. people are gonna get back to normal. Yeah. Did so. you invest in cruise lines, Joe? I know you had a similar theory on that. Yeah, but I think a lot of things and then don't do them. So that's kind of <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, if you. If you wanted a brief summary of my life, there uh, it is. You know, <laughs> you want a brief summary of my life? I think of many things and then don't do them. <laughs> is a hey, Sean? You would know this. Is the AMC stock thing? Is that the meme economy? Is that the the, the jokers who are driving the various stocks up? A hundred percent. Yeah, the Reddit oh, Wall okay. Street bets largely uh, on this one. Uh, full disclosure: uh, this is in the positive Sean portfolio. I am uh, nervously looking at what point do I get off this rocket ship? Um, because uh, yeah, the the growths this year are, are it went up a hundred percent just yesterday. Oh boy! Jesus, stock market now. You, yeah. You need to, like you do, understand memes more than you need to understand yeah. typical stock market movements. If you're well, reading he, about this stuff in an article of like a financial magazine, you're place. already too late. <laughs> well, and you have to stare at a screen with your finger ready to just poke at your mouse every single second. <laughs> that's, that's pretty you have to bet yeah. on snark. What, what would smart Alex think would be funny to make go up? That is a key rule of the internet is that these things will exist for as long as they are funny <laughs> the meme economy it's unbelievable they will continue to go up as long as it seems funny and you know, yeah, and that's true that's yes. clearly true 
I, I find myself picturing some of the Wall Street or, or money management ads that I watched as a kid and a young adult, whether it was, remember old John Hausman? We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. You know, that sort of thing. I, I, I'm picturing <laughs> trying to explain this to one of your old-timey H&R block guys or one of your titans of Wall Street. And he's, now, what, they're investing in it because it's funny? What? No, <laughs> explain that again. I wonder how many economics professors understand this and are teaching it to kids. No, the, the stock is going up because it's hilarious that this stock is Don't going up. Don't you get up. it? <laughs> do, you, do you get the joke? Why did it go down Thursday? Because yeah, it was burnout and a new thing happened, so people uh, didn't think it was funny anymore. I'm not sure there's any area of humanity that's less tuned into reality than academia, honestly. I think it'll be 50 years till they figure this out. The, the meme economy? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Michael. Uh, so, Sean, will you be working part-time or are you going to retire when you invest in stock? No, he now owns the show. <laughs> like, if there was a way to invest in a telegraph machine, you know, that would just go through the roof. Wow. Why are people investing in telegraph machines? Because it's funny. Because it's funny. That's why. <laughs> well, how long will it keep going up? Till it's not funny anymore. What don't you get? <laughs> <laughs> when does it stop being funny? That's wow. com- it's complicated. <laughs> Tough to say. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Thursday, June 3rd, the year 2021. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Okay, here comes the official beginning of the show. Trading opens, as it were, precisely according to FCC rules and regs at Mark. Well, I think it's it's been a growing business uh, in in Russia and other former Soviet countries, uh, and there would be no reason for them to stop as long as they're making these very significant profits. What are they that's your, your ransomware thing. That's, a, that's my new side hack. Uh, side, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I say hack? Ooh, the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gaffe accidentally telling the truth. It's my side hustle. And, and we'll be talking about this more, but as I understand it, I, for instance, I bought uh, screenwriting software when I was uh, writing screenplays. And, uh, you know, I type the words in, it formats it for me and everything like that. And it's, it's, it's super. And from what I understand is the ransomware thing now, you buy the software. Really? You just kind of type in this, that, and the other. You don't have to be some advanced hacker. Wow. Yeah, I know it. Oh, that's good. That's good. So everybody in America now has safe cracking tools. So we're all crawling around in each other's closets trying to find the family jewels. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. Um, How does mailbag look? Oh, it's actually quite good. Very strong. We'll catch up on all the news of the day, including more of that strangest economy we've ever been in. Some of the news great, some of the news... Not great. Some of it just weird. Uh, but we got all that on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The largest warship in the Iranian Navy caught fire and sank yesterday, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, as did their, uh, like, a, a giant uh, oil platform, right? Oil refinery? They both burned to the ground. That's well, crazy. Well, yeah. That's were, a rough day. Were those uh, attacks from the U.S. or Israel? Oh, listen to you. I feel Mr. Like Negative. The, the Iranian Navy is like a punchline to some sort of, like, uh, like if you don't start shaping up, you're going to be swabbing decks on the Iranian <laughs> Navy's ships or something, something like that. Something screen doors on submarines. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. It's our tradition this time of day. 
Gentlemen, only been a listener for a couple of months, but I'm a big fan, writes Esteban. Welcome, sir. like to submit for your approval a quote from Mises. Not multiple mouses in a cartoon, but Ludwig Vaughn. A free man must be able to endure it when his fellow men act and live otherwise than he considers proper. He must free himself from the habit, just as soon as something does not please him, of calling for the police. That's good. Don't be a Karen is what Mises was saying. Oh, don't use that expression. That's terrible. It's terrible. The name Karen for baby girls is the most unpopular it's been in a hundred (laughs) years, according to new statistics. (laughs) Jonah Goldberg actually just wrote a great piece uh, for the Dispatch about uh, the left's uh, warmness toward totalitarianism and only permitting one sort of freedom. Uh, We'll deal with that in a little bit. It's good stuff. Mailbag. John writes, just want to say what you guys do every day is walk the razor's edge. You give us the terrifying truth of the impending doom of Western civilization, still manage to give us few laugh-out-loud moments, all the time evading the cancel. Yeah, so far. Oh, yeah, that's a, a daily thing. Genius! Not an easy road to hoe. Hats off to you. Thank you, John. This is very kind of you. Tom writes, is it just me or does anyone else feel like we're doomed? We're in a bad TV show where the country is being led by Tim Conway's oldest man character and his VP, Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> I, I voted for Dorf. That would that would be a reference to Kamala Harris's annoying laugh at her own jokes, I think. <laughs> uh, Brian writes, uh, on the topic of school memorization... If you didn't hear it yesterday, Jack came out in favor of ignorance. <laughs> I think that's a fair description of I would your like, point of view. I would like to start over with all the curriculum in schools and decide if it's still a good idea. And maybe somebody can make the argument why memorizing the state capitals is still worthwhile. But I, I'm not. I'm just on the face of it. I'm not sure it is. And a, and a bunch of other things. Brian writes, why the F do I need to know all the rivers in the U.S.? If I could find my fifth grade teacher, I'd ask him. I couldn't care less where the Platte or North Platte rivers are now, let alone then. (laughs) So DeSoto discovered the Mississippi River. Other than answering a trivia question, has that ever been of any use to me? No. 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 I mean, if you're attempting to walk from Illinois to Iowa, and you'd prefer not to drown, it's probably good to know the Mississippi's there, but who quote-unquote discovered it? I mean, that that was a silly part of like, you know, how do I phrase this? That was a little too uh, European-oriented. You know, uh, look at history. But moving along, uh, Jashan writes, the rainbow flag is cultural appropriation, guys. Gays have appropriated it from the Incas in Peru. They should all be ashamed of themselves for this. Uh, I didn't know the Incas utilized the rainbow in some sort of something or other. I don't care. Uh, that's an absurd thing to say, Jashan, which I know you know. Uh, I'm reminded, though, of the increasingly common use of the word community. The gay community. The black community. The transgender community. As if they all get together and have meetings. You know, and make decisions. I think I think it's just a way for dumb people to try to sound a little smarter, to try to sound smarter. Instead of just saying black people, you say the black community. As if you can speak for all black people anyway. It's ridiculous. We've been hammering the, uh, the fact that the media, out of loathing of Trump, knee-jerk rejected the idea that the, uh, the Chinese bat fever might have leaked from the lab in Wuhan. 
in spite of all the compelling circumstantial evidence, it was, and, and by the way, they helped the Chinese communists cover up for one of the greatest murders in the history of mankind. One of the fi- great financial doom. And, and Tom in Vegas writes, uh, the leftist media have, you know, had done that knee jerk thing many times, not just the lab thing, claiming my administration was spied on by the government. They were. They were wiretapped. The Steele dossier is Russian disinformation. You remember that uh, story? It was. Uh, the, the vaccine will be available by the end of 2020. No way it can't be. The border wall and its policies did stem the flow of illegal immigrants. Antifa and BLM are anarchists and or Marxists. Uh, the National Guard was effective when used to quell rioting. On and on and on. Knee-jerk. Uh, oh, the Hunter Biden laptop story was not Russian disinformation. More stuff's coming out about that laptop in the emails, by the way. Some of it pretty compelling. The old man absolutely knew all about Hunter's business dealings. Let's see. What do we need? We got all sorts of stuff. I don't know. That's probably enough. It's tedious. Tedious. NPR did a big feature today as I was driving in on uh, why the media has uh, switched its theory of the origin of the COVID leak. And their conclusion was, what is clearly true, is that because Donald Trump was saying it, everybody assumed it was a lie. Well, not everybody, but everybody that uh, knee-jerkedly reaction would, 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 would reflect, would automatically consider anything Donald Trump said a lie, which is a dumb way to go through life. Oh, it's incredibly <laughs> dumb. And not take the time to to rationally examine the evidence when we're talking about the most important story, perhaps, uh, in the last 150 years. Yeah, but that is exactly what happened. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Global supply chains have never been this clogged. According to one story I'm just looking at, I saw a headline yesterday, people waiting months for furniture. I know a couple of different people that are trying to buy furniture, and it's just (laughs) impossible. Including us. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Eh, It could be about 12 weeks, maybe longer. What? Three months to get a dining room table? It's just just flat wood on top of some, like, uh, round sticks. Luckily, I've never needed furniture in my life and don't expect to. I just don't really (laughs) see the point of it. What are you, a bear? (laughs) I need a table. I need something to sit on. I need something to sleep in. Once that's happened, I need nothing else. But what about your decor? Yeah, I don't have How's your decor? Not good. Uh, this Wall Street Journal article, the economic recovery is here, and it's unlike anything you've seen. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, the U.S. economy uh, is recovery is unlike any in recent history, powered by consumers with trillions in extra savings. That's trillions. Hmm. Businesses eager to hire an enormous policy support. New businesses are popping up faster than ever. Fastest pace in history. The rate in which workers quit their jobs which is a proxy for confidence in the labor market, meaning they think they can find a better one, is the highest ever. And American household debt is uh, is at its lowest level since they've been keeping track of the records. Well, that's not a bad thing. No. No, it's not. The rest of it feels a little bit, and while I am certainly pro-recovery, and we were down in a deep, deep hole, I'm a little bit concerned. It sounds like, you know, since we've been injecting our workers with methamphetamine, their productivity has risen 40%. This is wonderful. There is usually something that goes along with 
you know, any anytime something extraordinary happens, there's usually, uh, you know, corollary effects, mm. side effects of some sort. We've never had anything like this, a collapse and then a boom-like pickup, said the global economist and strategist that they quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Um, when, a, when the COVID, now listen to this, this is really stunning. When a COVID-19 pandemic restrictions sent the U.S. economy into free fall last spring, economists and policymakers worried it would take years for workers and businesses to heal. They now expect the economy's size to surpass pre-pandemic levels this quarter. What? Yes. We're going to be ahead of where we were when the pandemic started this quarter. I would like to amend my previous metaphor to include also jabbing our employees with steroids. Steroids and meth. I tell you, you've never seen anybody work like this. Analysts project that by the end of this year, gross domestic product will reach a path that was projected to follow had the pandemic never happened and then exceed it. This quarter? <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. The recoveries from the recessions in 1991, 2000, and 2000 through 2009 were jobless, uh, long, um, blah, 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 all the stuff, bad stuff that goes with it. That is just not happening this time around. Hmm. And uh, they, they talk about how head-spinning it has been for so many businesses that were trying to project out, you know, how many employees they would need, um, uh, you know, how much money they were going to make, et cetera, et cetera. Almost everything you said pointed toward inflationary pressures, too. I'm pretty right. concerned about that. Right. They bring that up in this article. but You they, have an enormous amount of money chasing increasingly scarce goods. Let me think. I, I probably hit the bong a little too much in college, but I remember, I remember that lesson. Yeah, plus, um, plus you got the uh, everybody catches on to inflation, and then that drives inflation like crazy. For instance, like the, the plywood example that I gave yesterday of, talking to a guy who was building uh, something, and he said plywood was $18. When he started the project, it's now $80 a sheet. Well, when that's happening, you will buy every sheet you can get when it's going up that fast, obviously, because you think it's going to be higher next month. Right. And then that just adds to it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the the whole real estate slash building sector of the economy is... uh, it's just a juggernaut. It's I've never seen anything. Well, even 08, or I'm sorry, the, the whole the real estate boom of the early 2000s. It, it felt like this, I guess. But yeah, and the pace of building, yeah, now the more I think about it, yeah, this is reminiscent of it. Is this being pushed by some obscure government program and Wall Street's elaborate and secretive reaction to it? Or is this just market forces? I don't have any idea. $80 a sheet plywood? Are you freaking kidding me? Well, and then going up that fast, which is obviously, you know, nobody nobody plans for that. Um, inflation, I heard somebody pointing this out the other day. It's been so long since we've had inflation as a real topic in the country that mm-hmm. most people don't uh, anybody under the age of 50 really w- wouldn't have been old enough to really remember when it was a big deal right um and that's even as just like as a kid hearing your parents talk about it mostly um Inflation, why, that's how a balloon goes from flaccid to fun. So there's just not really the fear of it for a lot of the country that doesn't know what it's all about. And and I also heard it pointed out, Joe Biden was a man barely in his 50s the last time we had inflation. (laughs) (laughs) He's old. (laughs) 
Come on. Yeah, boy. Uh, well, I guess we'll all find out together, won't we? I just I got an uneasy feeling about this. I guess I was I was uh, part of too many groups of people who were uh, maybe charged up on uh, hormones and youth and enthusiasm and said, "Hey, I know what it'd be fun." And I was thinking, "Yeah, wait a minute. That sounds kind of crazy." And this has that feel to it. Oh yeah, it definitely does. Uh, I'm not again, I'm pro recovery, I'm pro growth, I'm pro be- people getting their jobs back and maybe some of those entrepreneurs who got punished by mostly government policy and the coronavirus, the idea that they could, you know, get cooking again and and maybe re-realize their dreams. I love that. But, you know, again, it just feels a little cocaine, cocaine binge. Oh, absolutely. To me. And especially the, the housing stuff. I mean, there's no way home prices can continue to go like this. Well, right. I mean, if you were to, I mean, go real econ 101 on the housing thing. For the prices to rise in the way they are, there would either have to be a severe cutback in supply, and that's clearly not true. I mean, they're slapping up houses at dizzying speed, or there would have to be an an extreme boom in demand. And how is that happening? Mm. Our birth rate is below replacement rate. I mean, we're still having uh, some fine folks come across the border at an alarming rate, but yeah, there's something going on. Well, and part of it is inflation. As, as you've been describing, houses, the housing market, there's inflation in it. So people look at a house and they think, honey, if we wait six months, we will never be able to afford a house in that neighborhood. So, yeah, we're overpaying now, or it feels like we are, but we've got to. So let's buy a house. I did mm-hmm. it myself could, back could, in 05. Couldn't the increase in demand just be there? Like my generation, the millennials, didn't buy houses in their 30s. They're doing it now in their 40s. So you have two generations. Because you're so lazy. It took a while to get the money. Because you hate bedspreads and mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Was, what's yeah. wrong with mayonnaise? Yeah, it wasn't because of the crippling amount of college debt that we left uh, in, entered our prime years with. And then when we tried to adjust to it, we get ki- accused of killing the restaurant. I'm hearing the excuses. I'm hearing nothing but excuses. <laughs> crippling college debt. Well, just because the cost of college quintupled in the last 25 years. Simultaneously, huh? while the value of a degree plummeted. Yeah. <laughs> it's as if society sold you a bill. Of goods. It's as if they ripped you off. Hmm. Interesting. Tough day in Iran the other day. It was yesterday, actually. Not only did their largest warship burn and sink to the bottom of the Persian Gulf, <laughs> actually sunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> glub, glub. Now it's not here. And their big oil refinery burnt down to the foundation hours apart. How strange! Even as Iran was reporting progress in talks aimed at resurrecting the international nuclear agreement that is so vehemently opposed by Israel. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So did Israel do it? Did they do it with our help? Um, well, if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. I, I, I do know this. Old Bibi Netanyahu is going to be out of his job soon. And I wonder whether he decided to go out with a bit of a bang. Perhaps to set himself up from regaining power. It's kind of complicated the way things work in Israel, but it's looking like Bibi's going to be tossed out of the prime ministership. Well, he's, he's held onto it for 12 years, which is yeah. the longest anybody ever has. Right. Good point. Yeah. And, but they formed up this weird coalition of people or parties, rather. The only thing they have in common is they're sick of Bibi Netanyahu. Yeah. One and of so the, there's no way they keep it together. Yeah. One of the dudes in the coalition or one of the parties is to the right of Netanyahu. So, uh, Right, and several are way to the left. There's the little Arab-Israeli party, so it, it's it's really a coalition of uh, we just don't like being... He, he certainly could have been afraid that uh, the next crowd will be too soft on Iran, and he thought, I'm, gonna, I'm on the way out the door, I'm sinking their biggest warship and blowing up their biggest oil refinery. 
Certainly could have done that. What, what do you think that, what do you put the likelihood at that, that this wasn't just a coincidental, and it's almost impossible for it to be a coincidental. That's a hell of a rough day. <laughs> your biggest warship and your biggest oil refinery burned to the ground on the same day. How, how do the Israelis have, what, incendiaries in the warships? How does that work? Or we did I mean, it. they weren't hit by ICBMs or anything. Any chance we did it? I suppose so. All, yeah. all Biden's noises have been the other direction in terms of working with Iran. Right. Yeah, I, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say it's uh, our friends, the Israelis. Mm. But uh, again, how, functionally, on a practical level, how do you do that? I mean, I understand how you, you send a cruise missile at something or sneak guys, you know, on board or whatever, but they, they burned the biggest warship and sank it to the bottom of the harbor? Wow. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, I'd say. And the Iranians aren't saying much about it because they're not going to say, uh, yeah, one of our computers just exploded out of nowhere. I mean, they're not going to say that out loud. And all our centrifuges melted down, and now we have Jim Beam coming out of the hot water tap. Um, <laughs> so it's a rough day here. <laughs> huh, I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah Good I'll news for the free world, though. I think so. I think so. I would not mess with BB. If he were mad at me, I would be afraid. <laughs> All right, so the whole uh, ransomware thing. Holy cow, it is unquestionably coming to your company, your school, your hospital, your town, whatever. How that works is interesting but scary. Coming up in seconds. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For me personally, how I quote, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. So that's how I deal with it. But each person deals with it differently. Ah, that's Venus Williams explaining how she handles the press. We talked about this in our podcast the other day. We haven't mentioned it on the show. The top female athlete in the world. Uh, she's an American, right? Yes. What's her name? Naomi uh, Os- Osaka? She, Osaka. Osaka. She, you know, could have won the French Open, one of the biggest tournaments in the world, but did, didn't want to talk to the press because she's going through some things mentally. Said she didn't want to talk to the press. They said, if you don't talk to us, you can't play. And she said, fine, I'll leave. And she did. Yeah, I had not realized. She's the richest, uh, highest paid female athlete on the globe. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's the biggest deal on the planet. Makes it a little easier to walk away from tournaments, particularly in a sport where you're paid for your performances. Well, and I guarantee the tournament has fewer viewers with her gone. Yep. Makes less money. Speaking of strong and capable women, uh, Jen Griffin of Fox News did a report on the uh, ransomware of the JBS Meat Distribution Company. Uh, clip number 40, Sean, if you would. JBS has more than $50 billion in annual sales worldwide and accounts for 20% of all the beef, poultry, and pork sold in the U.S. So far, there have been no meat shortages, and the company says a majority of operations will resume today. The disruption couldn't come at a worse time for restaurant owners, who say meat prices as a result of the pandemic are already at a six-year high. Here's one of our prime grade briskets. This piece of meat would have cost us about $50 here in the restaurant just in March. Today we're paying about $90. 
Boy, how about that? It's not plywood, but it's pretty impressive. I didn't realize JBS is uh, based in Brazil. Why don't we have our own meat companies? What? Where we invented meat, the United States. We didn't even want to be. We invented meat. We're, we're, the, we're the most meaty country on earth. Everybody knows that. Anyway, so I'm sure you heard about that uh, attack on uh, JBS, the Colonial Pipeline uh, cyber attack, ransomware attack, uh, a couple of weeks back. And uh, Axios doing a great job of of explaining what's going on uh, in the ransomware world. 2020. Oh, you know, Jennifer Griffin also in her report, she mentioned that uh, cryptocurrency has made it much more effective uh, because there's a way to pay the ransom that goes around governments and banks and the rest of it. Yeah, I thought that was a key part of the story that everybody's overlooked. Without cryptocurrency, how did you pull this off? I mean, how are you going to send it to them? You're going to put it in a bank account? Will you eventually trace that or cash or whatever? But the cryptocurrency thing has made it possible. Yeah, yeah. To ask for money and get it in a way that nobody can figure out where it is. So from 2019 to 2020, ransomware cryptocurrency payments went from 150, I'm sorry, uh, well, they went from about $125,000, take three, $125 million to $350 million, triple. From 1919 19, uh, Jesus, 2019 to 2020. I got a big chart of numbers in front of me, and I really should have highlighted them. <laughs> so, um, plus I'm, I'm just really drunk. Day drinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, did JBS pay the ransom or do they keep in mum about that? Because mm-hmm. most of these companies pay the ransom. They don't talk about it, but they well, do. Right. Yeah. That's one of the points they make. And, and here's the, the new wrinkle. Startup costs, if you want to become a ransomware bandit, uh, are cheap because malware providers have built low-cost software-as-service-style ransomware tools that don't demand you be some sort of really capable hacker. I'm getting into that today. I know it. I'm going to and I'm going to target you know small things. I I don't need fifty million dollars or whatever. Eh, send me ten thousand dollars and I'll let your Boy Scout troop operate again. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it two three uh, hours a day. It's like selling Mary Kay or something yeah. like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a side hustle. But this is a great explainer. I love this. Here's how this is working. It looks like a, a macabre parody of the modern tech industry. Writes Axios. The original backers of this, the venture capitalists, if you will, are governments who are looking to disrupt their enemies. Think Putin disrupting the U.S., Sure, obviously. China, North Korea, whatever. So those are the venture capitalists. These investors pay third-party hacking groups. Hacking. Hackers who function as entrepreneurs and startups, and they grow, and their products are technical platforms that enable users to launch ransomware attacks, producing a revenue stream. And often these these third-party groups are bad actors that they are offering protection from other countries, uh, arresting them, stuff like that. So they they kind of fold them in by, hey, you can you can hide out here, and then we'll yeah we'll 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 give you a little hacking corporation you can you can do your stuff from exactly but, but when you yeah. but when we come calling you work for us it's multi-level marketing in a weird way and and they mentioned that attackers have to be careful to select targets big enough to pay up to keep the profits rolling in but not so big that governments intervene to shut down the ransomware or make demands or whatever uh, you want to fly under the radar which is why that dark side group that attacked the colonial pipeline said sorry sorry headed for the hills they shot too high and they realized the heat was on, so they just disappeared and disbanded. Right, because oh. we don't hear about most of these. So you, yeah. so if you're a hacker doing the ransomware thing, you don't want to make the news. Correct. Correct. That's, that's interesting. 
Yeah, just be cool. Don't pull off the, the Brinks heist. Just rob liquor stores. You can rob liquor stores all day long, all month long, and it'll be fine. Don't go Just after don't the you... biggest hospital in L.A. Get the hospital in Omaha to pay you $750,000 and disappear without it ever making the news. Right. But as I incoherently expressed earlier, <laughs> from, from evidently 1719 to the year 2500... <laughs> The amount of this tripled, and it's thought that it will be at least as as uh, impressive, uh, that growth this sure. year. So, God help us. Well, the answer is better tech security, Jack. No, it's not. I, I don't think it is. As that, that expert on uh, ABC This Week last Sunday said, we can't protect the gazillion points out here that have systems. We have to go to the other end of this where it's just a couple of points and stop them somehow. Ah, right, right. You don't control robocalls by not answering your phone. Really. Fixing everybody's phone, right. Right, exactly, yeah. I yeah. was talking to a friend who works in cybersecurity as well, and she told me uh, something I hadn't considered, and that we often think of uh, cybersecurity as offense-defense. She said a third pillar is resiliency. How much of the business can we still operate with once we get compromised? And that's something there's a lot of room to grow. Go back to pads and pencils. That's what I say. Run this memo down to the CEO, Jane. You know, let's go uh, Mad Men. No more computers. How much would that hurt us? There was meat before there was the Internet. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.